You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired. While you are offline, Twitter has thoughts on Trump's shithole countries talk by Graham McMillan. Last week, Facebook decided that maybe it should make some changes to the information people see on the platform. Also, a lot of people got very interested in the pay discrepancies between Mark Wahlberg, and Michelle Williams. But beyond that, it was also a week where everyone learned that a school kid could play the Cantina Band song from Star Wars with a pencil. Yes, it was another strange, wonderful week on the Internet. But what else happened? Here we go. President Trump's unsavory comments. What happened? President Trump reportedly referred to Haiti... El Salvador, and some African nations as shithole countries. The Internet responded in kind. What really happened? There's absolutely no denying that Trump has had an impressively full week, declaring himself a stable genius, denying the possibility that he might be deposed as part of the Russian investigation, and avoiding Kendrick Lamar. But it was his comment reported Thursday that will likely have the longest-lasting impact. Exclusive, Trump attacks protections for immigrants from shithole countries in Oval Office meeting. Oh, some were concerned about journalistic standards. Can't say I expected to see shithole in a Washington Post alert, headline and breaking news banner, but here we are. Imagining the editorial wrangling it took to get shithole in a headline at the Post, which used to take damn out of story quotes, But many more were concerned about presidential standards instead. Yes, hello, 911, my emergency is. I would like to be airlifted out of this time in history. Help, please, come quick. You can keep telling me that this man and support of him isn't rooted in racial hostility. I'll just keep reading what he says and watching you still support him. Thanks to Trump, I may have to explain to my five-year-old son the meaning of the term shithole, Also, the meaning of the phrases racist douchebag and ignorant asshole of epic proportions. Trump on Mexicans, rapists. Haitians, all have AIDS. Africans, huts. El Salvador, shithole. 
There are no words for language like this except for one, racist. Naturally, media reports came fast, furious, and horrified as the fallout from the comments continued. Perhaps the most surprising reaction was the fact that the White House didn't even try to deny it initially. The White House response was, Certain Washington politicians choose to fight for foreign countries, but President Trump will always fight for the American people. The president will only accept an immigration deal that adequately addresses the visa lottery system and chain migration, two programs that hurt our economy and allow terrorists into our country. Like other nations that have merit-based immigration, President Trump is fighting for permanent solutions that makes our country stronger by welcoming those who can contribute to our society, grow our economy, and assimilate into our great nation. He will always reject temporary, weak, and dangerous stop-gag measures that threaten the lives of hard-working Americans and undercut immigrants who seek a better life in the United States through a legal pathway. White House spokesman Raj Shah basically confirms Trump said shithole countries and digs in deeper, essentially saying that folks from Haiti and African countries can't grow our society or contribute to our economy as well as people from Norway can. Textbook racism. And they weren't the only ones failing to denounce Trump's crude language. Silence so far from House and Senate Republicans on Trump's shithole remarks as Democrats pile on Trump. Still, at least one prominent conservative was willing to correct Trump. Ann Coulter. Okay, yes, Trump shouldn't call them shithole countries. A little respect is in order. They are shithole nations. As some of the countries mentioned started asking for comment on the comments, Trump said this. Never said anything derogatory about Haitians other than Haiti is, obviously, a very poor and troubled country. Never said take them out. Made up by Dems. I have a wonderful relationship with Haitians. Probably should record future meetings. Unfortunately, no trust. Well, that's what he said publicly, at least. The takeaway? Twitter? Breitbart says goodbye to Bannon. What happened? Apparently, when shadow presidents fall, it happens quickly, and they even lose their satellite radio shows. Sorry, Steve Bannon. What really happened? As those reading Michael Wolff's Fire and Fury book know, there is one figure that looms arguably even larger throughout the entire thing than Trump himself. Self-proclaimed genius. Hey, another one. Steve Bannon. Turns out the ego-stroking he might have gotten from the book was likely a farewell gift, considering how the rest of his week went. Yes, Bannon has lost the Breitbart job he swiftly returned to after leaving the White House back in August, despite releasing a full-throated walk-back of his comments in the Wolf book. So, what happened? The departure, which was forced by a one-time financial patron, Rebecca Mercer, comes as Bannon remained unable to quell the furor over remarks, in which he questions President Trump's mental fitness and disparages Donald Trump Jr. That'd do it, sure enough. Breitbart was tweeting about his departure. Steve is a valued part of our legacy, and we will always be grateful for his contributions and what he has helped us to accomplish. But it wasn't just Breitbart that dumped him. It turned out, just in, Sirius XM cuts ties with Bannon after Breitbart ouster. Bannon lost his serious show because it was a Breitbart-related venture, for those wondering. It wasn't a coincidence, just cause and effect, as would only be expected. News of his departure was everywhere in the media, but how did the rest of the Internet respond?
Bannon is a reminder that, even if you're a creepy, gin-soaked walking corpse covered in bugs and sores, life still can get worse. Sources inside Breitbart are telling me that although Bannon is no longer affiliated with the news agency, he will continue to live in the dumpster they have in the back. Steve Bannon is leaving Breitbart to spend more time with family of reptiles he keeps in the truck of his Chevy Cavalier. It wasn't the hate that Bannon used Breitbart to attack Mexicans, Jews, blacks, women, etc. that knocked Bannon out at Breitbart. It was crossing Trump. Never forget that. Steve Bannon being forced to step down from Breitbart is like a flush toilet in a filthy public restroom. Flushing away the obvious waste doesn't clean the entire system. It wasn't only glee at Bannon's misfortune, of course. Some were also wondering just who could replace him at the outlet. Or maybe that should be what? The takeaway. If only there was some kind of lesson to be learned from the swift rise and fall of Steve Bannon. Maybe it's this. I guess the fall of Steve Bannon shows you can't get by on looks alone. The leak of the week. What happened? In a political environment consumed with the concept of leaking... A surprise release of previously secret testimony to Congress took the Internet by storm. What really happened? Despite what certain POTUSes might have you believe, the investigations into potential collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia are ongoing, although at least one, the one being carried out by the Senate Judiciary Committee, is running aground thanks to internal strife between Republicans and Democrats on the committee. At the start of the week, one of the topics causing the most upset was the testimony of Fusion GPS co-founder Glenn Simpson over the origins of the company's infamous Russian dossier. Simpson testified in a closed session in August, but faced new calls from Republican committee chairman Chuck Grassley last week to testify again publicly. Simpson and co-founder Peter Fritsch, in an op-ed that appeared in the New York Times, argued that Congress should simply released the transcript of his earlier testimony. Things seemed at an impasse, and then they didn't. What changed? Fusion GPS has released a statement on the release of transcript of founder Glenn Simpson's interview. Fusion GPS commends Senator Feinstein for her courage. The transcript of Glenn Simpson's lengthy responses to the Senate Judiciary Committee's questioning speaks for itself. People were surprised at how hardcore the move was especially after Senator Feinstein responded to questions about why she did it. Feinstein smiles while stepping into an elevator as reporters ask about her unilaterally publishing Fusion GPS transcript. I just decided to do it, she says. This kind of thing is, well, unusual to say the least, so of course it was everywhere almost immediately. The 312-page document was unsurprisingly very enlightening. After reading the Fusion GPS transcript, it's clear Republicans have been completely ignoring all of the credible allegations of money laundering, conspiracy with Russia against the U.S., and other crimes committed by Donald Trump and his pals. It's proof. Republicans are traitors, period. This was, in other words, a really, really big deal. Although what kind of a big deal apparently depended on which side of the ideological spectrum you were on. Good Lord, Fusion GPS worked with Hillary Clinton, a private citizen, as well as with Russian clients. How many people were given access to classified secrets? I am stunned by this development. Every aspect of Feinstein's release of Fusion GPS's testimony has blown up in her face. Dossier narrative crumbles, multiple material false statements revealed, 
Feinstein says she was pressured, then lies about it. What a disaster. Except this one to run and run. The takeaway, actually, wait, we never checked in on how Trump responded to this news, Mr. President. The fact that sneaky Diane Feinstein, who has on numerous occasions stated that collusion between Trump, Russia, has not been found, would release testimony in such an underhanded and possibly illegal way, totally without authorization, is a disgrace. Must have tough primary. She is Spartacus. What happened? When it looked as if a news story was going to out the creator of a secret list of crappy men, the Internet took it upon itself to handle the situation first. What really happened? Perhaps you heard of the shitty media men list before last week. It was a Google spreadsheet shared and edited anonymously that listed more than 70 men who were accused of being, to some degree, abusive towards women, whether it was creepy DMs or physical and sexual abuse. Since its creation in October of last year, it's been the topic of much speculation and discussion, not least of all because no one actually knew where and how the list got started. And then, last week, that all changed. It all started with a thread from N plus one editor Dane Tortorici. It's come to my attention that a legacy print magazine is planning to publish a piece outing the woman who started the shitty media men list. All I can say is, don't. The risk of doxing is high. It's not the right thing to do. I haven't read the article and can't say it should be killed, but I really hope they don't include the woman's name. Expressions of solidarity and this point welcome. Disagreement too, but I will probably disagree with you. So apparently it's the cover story and has not yet gone to press. So once again, don't stoop to such pathetic and seriously irresponsible lows. I'll certainly be boycotting if this goes to press as is. I don't want to start more trouble than necessary here, but since there is a window of opportunity, and it's already out, the publication is Harper's. I know and respect their work and trust they will do the right thing. I believe some of the ads there do not want the name named. There's much more in that thread, but those are the most salient points. Tortorici's comments prompted a response from journalist Nicole Cliff and follow-ups from other journalists and editors. Harper's should have killed their AIDS denialism cover story by Celia Farber back in the day. What a great opportunity to make a better choice today. If you have a piece in the hopper over at Harper's, ask your editor if the roof piece is happening. If it is, I will pay you cash for what you'd lose by yanking it. My email is nicole.cliff at gmail. So the piece is happening. They are planning to out the woman who started the shitty media men list. I'll help Nicole pay you if you pull whatever stories you have in the works with them. She has more kids to feed than I do. Harper's is fully cancelled if this story runs. It turned out that the writer of the piece, Katie Rofe, was willing to comment that she was not about to name anyone involved in the list. Maybe the creators of the list wouldn't be named, and there was no need to worry about doxing. Well, okay, that was unlikely, for reasons we'll soon get to. But then something wonderful happened. Hey, Harpers, I wrote the shitty men in media list. Hey, Harpers, I also wrote the shitty men in media list. FYI, Harpers, I too wrote the shitty media men list. Indeed, so many women came forward to claim responsibility that a hashtag was created. Hashtag, I wrote the list to share collective responsibility. And then the real author stepped forward. 
In October, I made a Google document. My life has been strange and sometimes frightening ever since. I wrote about it for The Cut. Moira Donegan. Donegan's piece for The Cut had an immediate impact. The takeaway? Nicole Cliff. Want to wrap this one up? I am now quite confident that the version of this piece which appears in March will not include identifying details about the person in question, and that is all we wanted. My offer stands until Harper's pledges that, or the piece proves it. Oh, and I love each and every Spartacus. Good for you. The flagging power of CES. What happened? Someone at CES 2018 took the idea of lights out a little too literally. What really happened? What would be the most unfortunate thing to happen at a trade show where electricity is kind of important? Yes, the 2018 Consumer Electronics Show was hit by a two-hour power outage last week. Before the cause was known, apparently, it was just rain. Some people had some special theories about what was happening. With the blackout at CES, are the machines going to take over, and is this the new Black Mirror season? What if the CES power outage was a suicide attempt by the stripper robots? Others were just philosophical about it all. A blackout during CES in the entire convention center is a kind of poetic statement on the future of technology. So what brands won the CES blackout? The blackout at CES has to be one of the most ironic things to ever happen in the history of the world. There is a Trump joke in there somewhere. Some were even wondering who won the blackout. To be fair, a couple of brands definitely tried their best to claim the crown. Intel, introducing Blackout, the biggest thing to hit CES 2018 since 5G, CES Blackout, Oreo cookie, lights on, no problem. Ultimately, though, the answer to who won is fairly obvious, surely. Bravo to anyone at CES today who reacted to the Blackout by trying to stuff the Samsung Micro LED wall TV down their pants and nonchalantly sidle away. Some people at the show really seemed to enjoy the darkness, even if they didn't make off with any free gifts. Hell, some went so far as to hope it wasn't a one-off. Hey, CES, the blackout was actually kind of fun. People being nicer, more time to talk about the tech. Great moment for battery vendors. Can we do it again next year? The takeaway? Of course, it's worth keeping some sense of perspective about things. There's a blackout at CES, and it's trending and somehow newsworthy. In other news, hundreds of thousands of people in Puerto Rico are still without power months after Hurricane Maria. CES blackout, hashtag Puerto Rico. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.